Hello. Welcome to Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and I'll be your host for this television series. Our Marian Government Access Television and the Historical Society are continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who live the history of Upper Marion Township to tell us about that history. This edition features Anthony Chuck Fulpe. Chuck talks about his return from World War II, working in the construction industry, his part in developing the township, his community service, and his work as township supervisor. Let's sit back and listen to Chuck Wolpe, Remember When. Well, Chuck, I want to thank you for coming by today. It's Always a pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> nice seeing you again. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've known you for uh, almost 40 years now. Yes. Tell me, uh, what we're trying to do is get a little background on you. And, uh, where you were born and, and uh, how you first uh, became interested in Upper Marion and so on. Okay, uh, I was born in uh, 1922 in Norbeth, Pennsylvania. They called that the Brick Row. And uh, we had tough times uh, and things weren't too rosy. And uh, so uh, I went to St. Margaret's School uh, in Norbeth and uh, went to St. Margaret's Catholic Church. There was an older boy there. and. Uh, I was kind of a tester as an older boy. Uh, when we poured the wine in the pitcher, uh, there was a little bit left. Wasn't blessed yet. <laughs> we always wanted to see what it tastes like. <laughs> and uh, we were kind of ornery. You know? And uh, I grew up, and uh, then when I was six years old, uh, we didn't have no daycare centers in those days. Pop took me and mom took Irma, and uh, they would each take so many kids and go work. Well, Pop was digging basements with a horse and a scoop, and that was quite an experience for me. And uh, we put all the topsoil on the pile next to the house and uh, raised our vegetables on there for the winter. So I learned quite a bit about construction there, the way Pop tested the ground. And uh, then in those days, we had wells. So Pop would get two sticks and hold them together, and when they or hold them straight out, and when they moved and come together, that was where water was, and they dig a well right there, and by golly, it worked. <laughs> and uh, it was great. And then in uh, 30, 32, uh, the Ku Klux Klan start coming to the corner and burn a flag and, 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 and scared the heck out of us kids. So we went on in life, and then I, uh, Went to grade school, and in high school, I had to go to St. Tommy Moore. Uh, Pop wanted, and Mom wanted me to go to a Catholic school, and St. Thomas Moore was at 47th and wide losing, and he'd give us 10 cents a day. We'd have to either walk or thumb it down the city line, take the 54 trolley, and transfer to the 60 trolley, and that was quite a, quite a chore. So uh, came time that somebody had to get some food on the table. So I, uh, I decided to leave school because I told mom I wasn't the brainiest guy in the world. Uh, Irma and Louis should keep going. And uh, uh, I was going to quit. And the second year high, <clears throat> uh, I played two years football there. And the second year, I dropped out to go work. And I took up the carpenter trade at uh, 10 cents an hour. 
I thought that was big money. So I made, I worked 70 hours a week to get seven, $7. So uh, that went on for a while. And then uh, I, uh, I think it was 1941, right after Pearl Harbor, uh, they stopped building homes. The last house I worked on was Connie Mack's son's house. He was seven foot tall. And all the doors had to be seven too. Well, you only had eight inches left or 10 inches left for the ceiling. Uh, he was a tall fellow. But anyhow, I, I can always say I built Connie, helped build Connie <laughs> Mack's house back here. They were all stone big homes. Yes. And uh, they sold for about $40,000. Today they're about 400,000. So then I went to Sun Shipyard as a, uh, a cop, a joiner, they called it. And uh, so I walked in the shipyard with my tool bag, a box with a hammer, saw, and all carpenter tools that you use for wood. So mm. when I got to work, the superintendent uh, asked me where I was going with that. And I said, well, I'll come here as a carpenter. And he says, well, you don't use none of them tools. <laughs> this is all metal. <laughs> so I said, boy, it was a new experience for me. And he says, and throw that level away because yeah. the, the boat was built on a, uh, an angle, uh, maybe a 15-degree angle or whatever. And uh, uh, I got to learn real fast that uh, those panels were heavy and all. Mm -hmm. So then uh, came the uh, war. And uh, I think Roosevelt declared war. And uh, I was where, still on Connie Max. I went back to Connie Max's house to work on weekends. And that's when the announcement was made. So then they drafted me. As soon as I was 18, September, September the 11th, 1942, they, they drafted me. And they sent me to Fort McClellan, Alabama to train for war. So, Cut a long story short, I went overseas and I spent three years and 10 days overseas uh, with the infantry, uh, 1st Division uh, and the infantry. And I went through D-Day, uh, the Battle of the Bulge and many, five major battles. And so then uh, I got discharged and I wanted to get out of the army in a worse way. So I just went to work the next day. I wa walked back to Gladwin because I hadn't been able to get a car right away. And uh, I asked my old superintendent if I could have my job back. And he says, yeah. And he says, it won't be 10 cents an hour. He says, we're up to 65 cents an hour. Man, I thought I was a millionaire. And so then I, uh, when I did get home, mom reached down in her blouse and pulled out a white stock. And then there was the money I sent her all three years and that I was overseas and she had it all saved for me. And so I said, mom, that's what I sent it home for, for you to spend. But she says, no, I saved it for you. And I jumped a little bit ahead of time when pop come to meet me at the Narbeth railroad station. Uh, he bumped into me and he says, I'm looking for my boy, Tony. Pop spoke broken English. And uh, I can't find him. I says, that's me, Pop. <laughs> and we start crying. And uh, that's how I got home. Uh, Pop come down to meet me, and uh, we walked up to our house on Hampton Avenue. And so I decided to go back to work 
I asked to come back and uh, I was working for a home life insurance company. They owned this ground in Upper Marion. So I went to their uh, office on Conchihawken State Road, <laughs> right below Glowin. And I, you know, told him I'm ready to go to work. And he said, well, don't you want to take time off? I said, no, I don't want to join that 5220 club and become lazy. I want to get right, right to work. And so he gave me a set of plans and said, uh, we're starting this job up in Upper Marion and we're going to call it Marion Hills. And uh, we got about 60 some lots. So you work here in Gladwin and if we're ready to move up, uh, we'll move, take you up there and you can get yourself organized on where you left off if you forgot anything. So in the meantime, this guy, uh, Ryan was superintendent of Marion Hills. He died, I guess, walking up Wheatley Road all the time. And uh, Where was Marion Hills? What, what section is Marion Hills? Right where I live now. Yeah. Uh, it's across the expressway. You go, you go down the South Golf Road to Weedley Road, and you go up there, and you come right to Weedley Town Road. See, when they put the expressway in, they split it. So they made Weedley Road, and they called the old road Weedley Town Road. I see. So I live up there on the hill, and... Uh, so that's where Wheatley, Marion Hills is. It's uh, right on the other side of the expressway. So then he uh, passed away and uh, I took over and uh, I bought a house before I was married. Uh, it was called 22 Shoemaker Road, Shoemaker Lane. And uh, Shoemaker Road is where uh, Joe Shoemaker used to live. He was uh, running the township. So then I got myself oriented, and uh, we got up to got up to to the point of uh, we were building, and I bought lot twenty two, and then we uh, we built there for about a year, and then I decided to go in business for myself because I felt I was making money for them, uh, I, I I could do just as well myself. And uh, so it was a little tough, uh, starting out with hardly anything. Uh, I decided to bid on a job and I bid it and I got it. And uh, then I kept going. Uh, I uh, did a lot of contracting work and uh, uh, Shoemaker Road then, uh, 1950, uh, I decided to get married after I got three years out of my system of trying to forget the war. I think it was about four or five, four years. Uh, I'd uh, go out on uh, Friday nights and my mom would start saying a rosary, hoping I'd come home safe <laughs> because I was a little wild. I liked to dance. I jitterbugged and uh, ballroom danced. Uh, and I had a good life and I wasn't bad, but I was ornery. And uh, so then I, and I mean, uh, I had met my wife in the, we went together for four years, I believe. And uh, while we were going together, I'd pick her up sometimes with a dump truck or uh, I sold my car for money for the business and I'd drive down to Misericordia Hospital with this dump truck, red dump truck. And I, she'd get in it and we'd go on a, on a date. And, uh, we had our little arguments because 
sometimes I wouldn't show up. Uh, I'd be still working at night. And uh, her brother really said it one night at the table. He said, you better not marry him. He's, <laughs> he's, he's bad. <laughs> so I finally convinced Bill that I was all right. <laughs> so then I started uh, build houses uh, in Bridgeport. I built, uh, I built seven or ten row houses in Bridgeport on Fifth Street. And that's when I decided never to build a, another row house. They call them townhouses today, but mm -hmm. they're really the old row houses. I lived in one in Norbeth. And uh, they, uh, they, they sold real fast. I think I sold them for $7,000 a piece. So then we went to to uh, Ivy Lane and uh, built those 22 houses. They sold for 11. And then I went to Henderson Park. Uh, they sold for, oh God, 12,000. And uh, I was I would always build in front of the other builders like Dave Slott and the Candlebrook and Nat Wilson mm -hmm. the, that donated the Wilson Library. Okay. I'd always build in front of them so I wouldn't have to spend any money for advertising. They'd have to come down Henderson Road and pass Henderson Park <laughs> and then drive up to Candlebrook and so forth. And so he asked me one day, uh, how come I never advertise? I says, I don't have to. I says, they got to come pass my job and then to get to yours. So why spend money advertising? And I would always sell out. And I never worried about money. Money never bothered me at all. I, I just worried I made something and kept going. And uh, uh, that's why I have to say that uh, I was a true builder. I, we did all our own work, stonework, plaster, carpenter work, uh, the roofs. Uh, we did everything. While I was in Upper Marion, I heard the fire whistle blow one day. And we were on, uh, I forget where it was. Uh, it was on Ivy Lane, and uh, the fire, fire uh, station was up Gene Suplee's uh, uh, bookstore. They had yeah. a bookstore. It was, it was not all bookstore, and they had the garage. Mr. Ellis had his office on top, and we had a big tarp for the door. And uh, so I told him, uh, Jack Brennan uh, knew he's the one that, got me to join the fire company. Uh, uh, somehow or other, he said I was a charter member in the early times. To this day, I don't see my name anywhere, not that it matters, because <laughs> they all knew we were to fight, fight fires. So uh, we, uh, we got to answer all the fire calls. And Gene Suplee would get the truck ready in the winter. She'd heat it up. By the time we got there, it was all heated up, and we went out and fought the fires. And uh, one day we were short, and we brought these two guys. Richie, he was a nice nice black fellow. And uh, uh, Ira, Ira, Ivy, he was another one. And uh, when I'd look out the mirror, Richie had all gold teeth. I'd see nothing but gold teeth. <laughs> I say, "Oh my God!" And he wasn't even a, you know, never practice or anything. Well, we practiced very little in those days. So then, uh, after the, I, we got the fire company started. Uh, uh, we got Walker's Field, and uh, we. Uh, 
we graded that, Norman Beato, he built the dugouts, and we had toilets on Walker Field. And uh, I see in Madway Company, they built the uh, uh, Valley Forge homes up on 202, yeah. and uh, Alessi built the Brandywine homes, and that was in 1950. And uh, so then uh, uh, they, uh, we, we needed playgrounds because they're starting to, become a family-oriented uh, place. They, uh, the Brandywine Homes sold for about eight or $9,000, and Valley Forge Homes also. So we start getting uh, a lot of kids. So now, then I got community-minded real fast because uh, I was the first uh, uh, member with uh, Bill Jordan and B. Henning and so forth, uh, started the Park and Rec Board. Mm -hmm. So then we got Walker Field. And Walker Field, I got, that's when I started to get involved in a little politics because our engineer, uh, he, we got Walker Field and he got the ground. We were supposed to get all of Walker Field, those apartments behind Walker Field. Right. Well, our township engineer bought them with somebody else and put them apartments up. And I got a little ticked about that, that uh, this was collusion, I thought, you know. Uh, we were supposed to get it all. But uh, we paid uh, uh, about thirty-five or 40000 if I remember correctly, for, that, for Walker Field. And then uh, it came uh, Bob White. We bought that in 64. I remember that good because... Uh, I put the roads in and all for nothing. I donated the equipment and all to get that park started. And there was an old barn there, and uh, they just uh, took the wall down, I believe. And uh, then we went and uh, uh, built Valley Forge Homes. We got the right away from the electric company, built that park. And uh, Valley Forge Homes. Uh, yeah, it was on the corner of Valley Forge at King Kingswood Road. I was building this sewer plant on the corner of 401 and Mill Lane and uh, East Whiteland, and uh, one of my homeowners stopped by one day and she says, Mr. Volpe, what are you building? I says, Italian water ice plant. <laughs> she says, oh, really, we need one of them. I said, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And I shouldn't have never, never kidded around with her because she was a professor, her husband at Penn, Pennsylvania University. I says, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. So then one day we got this big 125 foot round circular tank. She said, Mr. Volpe, that's an awful big tank for, <laughs> for, for uh, water ice. I says, oh, we're going to supply three counties. And I said, now how am I going to get out of this? I says, kidding around, don't pay sometimes. <laughs> So anyhow, we got it working, and I forgot to put the desudger in. There was two 55-gallon drums came that they set with the plant. This was a pre-manufactured plant that you had to put it all together and build the footers and the foundations. It was a challenge. So I forgot to put the desudgers in, and we turned it on. Oh, it took about four or five days to fill up to get the bacteria working and all that stuff. And all these suds come out, and you couldn't see the road. And they had a pile up. The cars couldn't stop because they were slipping on the suds. 
and there was, I don't know, 10, 12 cars cracked up, and the state trooper called me up, and he said, Mr. Volpe, uh, you got problems up here. You better come up here. And I said, well, what could have happened? I said, don't worry, you come up here right away, and we'll come down and get you. So I go up there, and I see all suds all over, like, uh, who's that guy, Lawrence Welch, yeah, you know, yeah. all these bubbles and all. And, Mrs. Sangmeister happened to be one of the participants in this <laughs> crash. And she says, I thought you were building an Italian water ice plant, Mr. Volpe. You didn't tell me the truth. And boy, she lit into me. So that's the last time I kidded around. Believe me, I had a one heck of a time getting over that sore plant. Water ice play. So anyhow, that was a, a big experience of uh, building uh, these uh, sewer plants. You had to remember to do everything. So then uh, I got, to, I think it was in 1972, they bombed my equipment at Alamos. And uh, I think it was 1,500 uh, union guys. And I remember Jack Brennan coming up, helping me out, Lieutenant Don Levy. Yeah. And uh, uh, we didn't know where Chief Beecraft was. God bless his soul, he's passed away. But uh, Jack Brennan and Don Levy uh, kind of saved me that day because I was going to wade into them and uh, I'd have got, probably got mm -hmm. killed. And uh, that was a bad day. So then uh, along came, uh, I sold the house to Tommy McDonald, uh, Nick Scorch, and I had the Eagles team. They yeah. had to find a place to live. Where, where'd you have the, where'd they I had live? them in Continental Arms. Uh -huh. And uh, they were trouble. And the little kids would stand on a balcony and they'd get these little rocks and throw them onto the residences that lived there. <laughs> and uh, they hit a couple of my tenants in the head. And uh, boy, I was glad when I, when I got <laughs> rid of them. And uh, I was there when uh, Sonny Jurgensen left camp up in Hershey and uh, King Hill and Dave Lloyd. Dave Lloyd, uh, him and his wife, I was always repairing doors. They can get into it a little bit. And uh, I'd have to replace that front door maybe once a month. And uh, they were just a lot of, a lot <laughs> nice to have, a lot of headaches. And uh, I, uh, I got... There and then I went down to mine coal and I made a big mistake there. Nick Scorch and the uh, owner of the Cleveland Browns and uh, another gentleman from Ohio talked me into going uh, mining coal at that time. Uh, it was an experience for me and I wanted to try it. And, uh, I went down there, everybody thought I moved out of the township but I'd come home every weekend and and either fly or drive, but uh, my wife came down twice and she says, that's it. I don't want to go back here again. And uh, so uh, I, I took quite a beat in there. I had an $8 million college education there on what not to do. What not to do. Yeah, and uh, it's always pays to stick with what you know. Believe it or not, I had bought the, the Valley Ford Shopping Center for $14,000 and uh, I couldn't make settlement. And then came where the plaza and all is. I had that uh, bought in the deposit for $90,000. And I had my money tied up and uh, I was in partners in Ivy Lane and I asked them to get my money out. 
and uh, they didn't have it to give me at that time, so I lost that that way. And the same way with uh, the Acme bought, bought it right, right from under me. And I think they only paid 90000 I think, something like that. Then came the, uh, the first that came was General Electric up on a hill. Right. And uh, I, was, I was for that. What year was that? Uh, in the 50s, the exact year, I don't know, 56, I, I think. They flew us up to Connecticut or mm -hmm. wherever their plant was. Then we come back. And then came the plaza, and uh, they started with Acme stores, mm -hmm. and uh, they built about 10 other stores as uh, uh, Corvette yeah. came in and that was That was the other anchor. Then. That was the other anchor, right. And then I, I have a, a paper, I was looking at my paper clips the other day, they came in with 70 stores. And uh, I believe I was against that because I, I, I think I said that my quote was in a paper clipping uh, that now we're going to get more traffic and we're going to get in trouble, you know, uh, by building this right. thing too big because I looked it up at Marion as 16 square miles, and uh, 1,500 of it is in a park. We, we actually own the 15 or 16, uh, or, or we don't own it, but it's in our upper Marion, there's right. Valley Forge Park. So I felt that we should have 40% uh, retail and 60% residential to make it blend in good. Right. But today is uh, 65 retail commercial, and uh, I think 35 or close to for residential. It's yeah. direct opposite of what I figured, because when I was supervisor in 1963 uh, to 69, I believe it was, uh, we were supposed to have 32,000 population then. That's what we predicted. Right. And uh, here it is today, uh, we got 26,000, close to 27. Not near what we had figured on, the way we wanted the township to go. It's a, mm -hmm. It went the direct opposite of my, my thinking. Uh, I've got uh, buildings in New York, uh, Stevie's up in uh, 309, uh, Tony's in Jersey. And uh, my daughter's in Oaks. So I have no one here in the township that, you know, uh, were our kids. And uh, they turned out to be good kids. Uh, uh, Bernadette uh, runs the uh, emergency room in Brimore Hospital. Uh, she's got her master's degree. I got Billy, went to New York as a uh, Urban Source, a uh, distributor of uh, 14 factories. Uh, he goes to all over uh, California, uh, Germany, England, uh, and uh, Mark works for uh, a contractor, and uh, Tony, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, this, this is where I thought that the family should stick together. Uh, you know, bring up your roots. I love Upper Marion, believe me. I, I, I grew up and uh, uh, tried to do the best I could. 
but uh, uh, the political system and, and I just don't agree. <laughs> I believe I helped your wife to run, uh, Joan. Yeah. Yeah, and I loaned her to Model A Ford. And uh, anybody that was, I thought that wasn't connected, diehard, I call them, and, uh, to dedicate it to certain things and not bend it a little bit. Uh, I just like to be independent, and then if I like it, okay. But I, I'm not a knucklehead that I'm, I'm against everything. That's that's not right. But I, I'm a, I'm for the people. That's all to it. I always was, and I am today. In 1962, I uh, what's a 62? Yeah, I decided to build a swim club and uh, for the families. And uh, I, uh, I built that in 43 days, I believe. And uh, I, I opened it and then uh, got it running pretty good. Then I decided to bid, build an ice skating rink and I built that. Uh, that was another challenge, a clear span building. And then in 72, uh, I decided to go to uh, West Virginia to mine coal. Mm -hmm. uh, I was asked by Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel and and the coach, uh, the coaches and the owners and the other people I mentioned uh, said it was a good thing. So we drove down and I looked at it and I was kind of hesitant. And I should have done what my mind told me. So in the meantime, I had I turned to. Lafayette Swim Club and the skating rink over to a guy by the name of Fusselball. I forget the name of the Ponkatonksy or where he lives or somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I trusted him because he was in a pool business with Alan Weir. He lived in the, over there by Martin's Dam. I turned it over to them and I said, now you guys run it and all. And I signed the papers over, they were in, that's a, because I was always used to trusting people. Uh, today, you got to make sure their footprints are right or their, <laughs> or their fingerprints are right because everybody's out to get you. Well, I got, got, I got pretty good. They got me on this one. So I signed everything over to them to run and all every day. They're supposed to be there. And then I would get letters down there. Uh, telling me uh, how they were disgruntled, what they're doing and all. And so I knew I couldn't come back to run it and my kids couldn't run it. So, uh, and evidently they, they did some maneuvering with the money and everything and they, uh, they made it go up, you know, made it go uh, bankrupt, I guess it was. Uh, I don't know really what it was because I was down there for ten, eight years of mining coal. And, uh, and uh, my wife, she didn't know nothing about it. So these guys ran it. They ran it the way they wanted to run it and they bled it to death. We lost the swim club and uh, it was just a bad thing I did, which I shouldn't have never done. But you can't go Heimwerk, but someday uh, I might do the same thing because 
Uh, I'm going to live to be 125 is my goal, <laughs> and uh, that's to haunt these guys that are haunting me, and I'm going to bother them for another, uh, what do I got, uh, 12, uh, 20, 20, 45 more years ago, and uh, you know, at 80, I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> I'll be 80 in September, so uh, that's how that came about. Uh, I just turned it over to Mr. Fusselball. And he turned me over, <laughs> and uh, that's very, very seldom I got taken like that. But uh, I was always trusting people, and I thought it would be in good hands. So that's how that happened. Uh, but uh, I understand uh, they opened it up as Gold's Gyms yeah, today. Okay. Uh, but uh, that was another thing. I put that in the wrong spot. I, I, I mean, made it, the swim club or the yeah, the swim club. I should have put it out. You know, I put it right in the middle of the residential area. Yeah, and uh, I should have uh, moved it out to the end, uh, uh, like right next to the school, Cayley Road School. Well, as far as I was concerned, it was in a fine location. I used I used to, uh, used to take my kids up there for years. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I come in, and uh, it's like the first day. I opened the skating rink. I didn't know much about ice hockey or not. And all I know, it was a big sport for the kids. And the, the people got on the ice, and this one guy was making turns and scratching the ice. Uh, you know, and I went out to him, and I said, now you stop scratching that ice. <laughs> and he says, we got to scratch the ice skate. I said, yeah, but you're ripping it up. <laughs> That's how much uh, I knew about ice skating. So then uh, I, I forgot that I had a Zamboni there to, to go out and level it off. off again. Yeah, boy, he got mad at me. Something I guess awful. so. He said, what are you talking about? He said, we got to scratch. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, my great wife, uh, uh, Bernadette, she, she could write a book, I guess, yeah. about me and... Uh, and she's put up with this. Uh, uh, when, I, when I took her, uh, we got married. Uh, I showed her the house before we got married. And uh, which house was this you're talking uh, about? Twenty two Shoemaker uh, yeah. Shoemaker Lane. Yeah. And she says, Chuck, I'm not moving up here. I said, Well, you got to. It's the only house I got. <laughs> and she says, Man, oh man, there's nothing up here. They were just building the expressway, right. and uh, just came down with the turnpike and right. it was nice though really i had a lot of fun i'd go up to the peacock inn and play shuffleboard uh one thing i think i uh, i was uh, a starter of the valley forge uh, post 7878 veterans of foreign wars we started the Qantas club and uh, i used to know egg mcmahon he was a tall skinny guy and then he got the job with johnny carson right. and uh, frank ford and uh, Lee Gruber uh, at the Qantas Club at the at the uh, the theater they had up in different uh, up in Devon. Uh, we paved that lot, uh, and we were making fifty thousand dollars a year. We charge a dollar a car. We donate the money to uh, poor kids, and uh, uh, that money went to good use. But then we had to lose that because nobody else would join. And uh, so that went down the, the tubes, and uh, uh, it just, just was great. And there was one club where the guys would meet every Friday night. It was called the Bacchanalians, and so uh, I joined it. 
And uh, we went up to Peacock Inn uh, for the first dinner I went to. And my God, I said, man, these guys are gluttons. It was a pork cat, you know, a pig, roasted yeah. pig <laughs> with an apple in his mouth. And I said, oh, man, that don't look too good. And it was nothing but, uh, Bacchanalians was nothing but a bunch of guys that were uh, gluttons, really. <laughs> and all the big shots in Upper Mary belonged to it, you know. The, the lawyers, the solicitors, the, the decorators, the supervisors and all. And I said, man, if I keep here, I'll be a ton, you know. And that's all you did was ate all night. So that club, to me, was just a bunch of gluttons. So I got out of that one real fast. And uh, then uh, you, you joined the other clubs, the Qantas Club I enjoyed, but the only trouble is you met every week, and uh, that kind of put your work schedule off. And uh, the VFW, we started, we went to different uh, world building. Uh, I was in partners with Blaine Scott on that. Uh, we would meet there. and. Uh, we had, we had a lot of, I was uh, built the first Little League field where the New Candlebrook School is. Mm -hmm. Me and Dick Gable from Hinkles and McCoys built the first ball field there, Little League field there. And I stuck my dozer there one day. And uh, we, 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 pra had, we had practically something to do with everything the township uh, was in uh, in my years here. Really? And uh, the only time I lost track was when I went to mine coal. And like I say, that was an eight, $8 million education. <laughs> and uh, I still don't know how to do trigonometry. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Drexel for two years in high school. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, I uh, got my uh, inspector's license because you have to have licenses today. You have to have everything on paper. Uh, I, I spent uh, two two years of uh, a course on that, and I got my uh, inspection license. Mm -hmm. You know, I can inspect any building; I'm certified. I, I got see. my seal and all. And uh, and engineering just comes to me in my mind on what 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 to do to correct something, and I I just love it, you know. And I love people, and uh, I'm going to keep keep doing what I'm doing and uh, see that we get a fair shake. Yeah. You were uh, uh, involved in some sort of a revolutionary uh, uh, war organization? Oh, yeah. I had uh, 15 uniforms made. The Continental Army. I wore one one night. Yeah, you wore one. <laughs> That's right. And I had two cannons, replicas mm -hmm. made from... Uh, Mr. Johnson, I think it was, with the wheels and all. Yeah, I have to tell you about that. We were in a parade in Norristown, and I was towing the Jeeps with Valley Forge Military Academy. I went and borrowed two Jeeps, and I towed, towed the cannons with that. And when I got in front of the reviewing stand, uh, Herb Gorski pumped black powder in, but he pumped too darn much in it. <laughs> so, boy, I lit the fuse. And man, that cannon went up in the air about that high and broke. I don't know how many windows I broke. Uh, <laughs> across the street from the reviews thing. <laughs> the marshal comes down to me, he says, don't you ever bring up cannons 
<laughs> in a parade here again. He said, if you do, muzzle them muzzles up. He says, but don't dare fire. <laughs> Man, I was, I was getting in trouble thinking I was doing good. And then we had the cannons at the first 4th of July we had. Good. It was in 1964, mm -hmm. the VFW post. Right. Uh, somebody put a pair of shorts in it. They snuck a pair of shorts in, uh, in the muzzle and they loaded it up with black powder again. And uh, we were having the drum and bugle corps and everything. He, f I forget who lit the fuse that day. But anyhow, out comes this pair of shorts and, uh, and they opened up and they were red shorts. <laughs> they come floating down. I thought, I said, boy, these cannons gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> but we opened up the PNC bank uh, with them cannons and the muzzles and the uniforms. And uh, what were you, a private then, uh, in that brigade, boy? <laughs> I could have made you the general. <laughs> I should have said he's in charge. <laughs> Do you still have any of those uniforms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, still got some left. Now uh, uh, they were they were something. We yeah. had a good time with them. That's how I got the name all the streets of my developments after generals. Right. General, General Scott, General Maxwell, Van Steuben. Uh, I was. Uh, I, I'm a history bug. Yeah. You still enjoy that? Eh? <laughs> yeah, I still still yeah still work on it. Uh, it's a shame. Our schools don't teach it better. Uh, I had to, I wish they'd get back and teach history, like George Washington and all. Like one day I was in the Acme market and, and she said, Mr. Volpia, what's D-Day? You know, oh. <laughs> she, she was cashier at the, I said, well, I don't know how they got to it at all, but that's the day uh, we invaded uh, Normandy, France, uh, to get, push Hitler back to where he belongs. I says, that's, I, I think it means today, you know. Right. But uh, I said, that's what it means. You know, I'm making a lot of fuss about it. <laughs> I says, my God. <laughs> but they should, I'm a firm believer of reading, writing, and arithmetic. I, I don't care what they say. When I went to St. Margaret's, there was 60 of us in the class, 60. First and second grade, 30 or 29 or odd. You were learning second grade while you were in first grade. Uh, uh, believe me, I think that's what made me get to these modules and all, try to figure out a problem, you know, right. that you, you think is tough, but it's easy. Uh, it was 60, yes, in a class. Uh, that was a lot of kids yeah, in there. Absolutely. Education is important today, and uh, I always tell the kids, uh, make sure you get that diploma. It's very, very important. Uh, diploma is, uh, is you can't do nothing today if you don't have a diploma to make big money and all. Like I had this uh, teacher trade. Uh, I had a hard time starting that, uh, where I got these kids that are a little slow, a little something uh, to teach them how to do masonry work, carpenter work, uh, the uh, electric work, because we did all that. And of course, today you gotta have codes, you gotta have license, you gotta belong to the union, you gotta do this and that. Uh, it's just ridiculous, some of the things. Uh, 
they come out pretty good. I had this one kid in mentoring him. He was, he was really flunking. And uh, Jerry's his name. And today, he ended up in college. He's doing real well. And I think he's at Penn. Yeah. And just by talking to these kids, uh, they can be changed. Right. And uh, that's where I'm starting today, is uh, teach them something. The one class I had in Norristown, I had a hard time explaining what's an inch. So I said, boy, how can I get through this? So I got four quarters and put them down and two half dollars put them down and 16 pennies. And uh, I said, now you see these? In a niche, there's four quarters. Yeah? I said, not real quarters. I said, there's four quarters of an inch. Make an inch. I said, one, two, three, four quarters. See that? And these lines here are quarters. That makes an inch. We got it? I said, then there's two half dollars. There's two half dollars and two halves in an inch. Oh, I said, you go all the way up to this big mark. That's a half. And then to the one, and that's the two halves. Two half dollars. Remember that. And then there's 16. And I counted them 16ths all the way up. Mm -hmm. And I says, each penny is a 16th. I said, now you got it? Yeah, he says, that's pretty easy to remember. And I got to them, and then they finally got there. They thought they were big shots. They could go up to a foot, and two feet, and so forth, and they learned it. On rainy days, that's what I would have to do. Because they, I'd say, start the first stud at 15 and three quarters. And they say, now, where's the three quarters? There's no three quarters. <laughs> so then that's how I had to teach them right. about the inch. And my most contra the contribution was, there was really two. Uh, first of all, helping develop all these ball fields from scratch. And uh, also lending my ability of knowing things to, to uh, build things and do them right. But that didn't go too far because you had too many other things, but I felt I gave a lot uh, to the people uh, that they bought a good home and that today shows what they're getting for them. And then all my donations, oh, let's say contributions of building these ball fields for the kids. That's, uh, that was real important to me because I love kids. And uh, Another, uh, other contributions come natural that really weren't mm -hmm. meant, uh, like starting the Qantas Club, that was a charitable thing, and starting the VFW, and uh, uh, belonging to the park and rec. Uh, I felt that I, I felt good of uh, what I was doing for the township. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate what you've done for the township yeah. over these years. I thought yeah, thank uh, you. I've always thought of you as Mr. King of Prussia, really. Yeah. I've been through quite a few scrapes. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming, John. Oh, it was uh, a pleasure. I really, I really okay. enjoyed these stories. All right. <laughs> and maybe we can get together and hear some more. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot I left out. But <laughs> That's it for this edition of Remember When. 
I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and your host for this series of Upper Marion Township's Oral History. If you would like to make a suggestion or comment on this program, please use the following contact information. Thanks for watching. Until next time and always, remember when.